tonight will be a night of firsts. For the first time, two reigning tag team champions will put their gold aside to wage war against one another. But this is no ordinary tag team, and these are no ordinary combatants. Both men are looking for respect from an unlikely source, a partner. For the first time, we may see an African-American as WWF champion. But Farouk is not going into battle alone. He has the support of a nation. A nation he has manipulated into believing its existence is predicated solely on this victory. A victory that must come at the hands of a vulnerable undertaker, whose haunting past has forced an unlikely reunion with Paul Bearer. For the first time, one of these men will become king of the ring, and to the victor will go the spoils. Tonight will be a night of firsts, as Super Soaker presents the 1997 King of the Ring. If you'll notice, me and my co-host probably won't have the same sort of pep in our step because we've just been severely let down by our football team. I am your host, Brent Piles, and with me, as always, is a man who is, uh, lives across the ocean and is from the future. He's the ballroom brawl and disco dancer, dynamite section, intercontinental playboy. He's more over than your tag team partner saving you when you're getting beat up by Imperium. Glenn, do you like to do it yourself? No. No. Yeah. I'm all for getting somebody to do it for me. I like to get a professional to do this shit for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Every time I've tried to do any DIY, it's always ended up where it's cost more because I've had to get somebody else in to put everything right that I did wrong. Yep. It's usually how it goes. <laughs> absolutely how it goes. So other than uh, uh, so other than the football match that we're not going to discuss, uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent weekend of wrestling. I watched NXT, um, which was really good. Um, I think maybe we'll mm. talk about that more on um, when we when we talk to the mayor. So listen to um, I think we're on the mayor of superstars this week, and we'll absolutely talk about we all are. the good things that happened in wrestling. The surprises, Glenn, the ultimate surprise. 
Yeah, and it wasn't really. <laughs> it never is anymore, Glenn. It's never a surprise anymore. No. <laughs> It, it was a bit of an under, uh, underwhelming. Yeah, it's something that WWE do well. If they're going to have a surprise turn up, they have a surprise turn up. Nobody ever knows about it. <coughs> Unfortunately, the same can't be said for the other company. So you just sit it, especially having a Christian Cage against. Uh, See, I've even forgotten who it was against now. Darby Allen, right? Darby Allen, that's it. As your main event, which is mid-card at best. Um, it just signaled that something was going to happen. Yeah, I imagine if I would have been watching that, I would have thought, like, why is this on last? Oh, I know why it's on last. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, like you say, we'll talk about that more on Friday. We will definitely touch more on that on Friday. Um, absolutely. Um, so, Glenn, um, we're going to talk about this might be. So, the 1994 King of the Ring is really bad. So, maybe it's not the worst King of the Ring ever. And also, 95, I think King Mabel was crowned in 1995. So, that wasn't very oh, either. This might be kidding. the third worst King of the Ring ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't make I didn't make a habit of watching King of the Rings back in the day, so I think this is probably the first one I actually watched I can remember watching. Right. Yeah. So like um this was like the year nineteen ninety seven I would go over to my friend's house a lot with you know some of my other friends when we were teenagers and we would all watch it together. And this was another one where we all went over to his house and watched it together. Um because like half of us liked Stone Cold Steve Austin and half of us didn't like him, so but everybody was rooting for Shawn Michaels that night. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so it, it's good. Sorry, it was just one of those things. Uh, at this at this time, there was no network, so it was all on Sky. He paid sort of silly money for a pay per view like this. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was a load of us having a drink and. Sort of chipping in on somebody's bill to watch it. So the good news for us, Glenn, is we were teenagers, so we were spending other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> other people bought that shit. We just went over there and ate pizza. <laughs> they bought the pizza yeah. too. We didn't pay for that either. <laughs> what, do you, what do you miss most about being a kid? Uh not paying for shit. That was the best part. <laughs> that was the best part, yeah. <laughs> Definitely was. So yeah, so King of the Ring '97, June 8th, 1997. It is from the Providence Providence Civic Center. I don't believe it's called the Providence Civic Center anymore. It's like the Med Meta Center or some shit like that. It's in Providence, yeah. Providence, Rhode Island. Opened in November of 1972. Also, has held a lot of wrestling events over the years, Glenn, including many pay-per-views like the 1994 Royal Rumble, Backlash 1999, and even WrestleMania Backlash in April of last year. And Glenn, if you take a trip to Old Providence, Rhode Island in the month of December, you can actually take in an episode of SmackDown of this very arena. They will be in town Friday night, December the 8th. So if you're in the right. Providence, Rhode Island area, you can check out an episode of SmackDown coming up in December. So there's Excellent. your facts about this arena. Yeah. Uh, 
there allegedly was 9,312 in attendance. And there was a very small buy rate of pay-per-view of 177,000. Um, lowest of all time for a King of the Ring and one of the lowest WWF buy rates in history. <laughs> and Glenn had deserved it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the opening match is the first King of the Ring semifinal, and it is Ahmed Johnson taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And the funniest thing about all this is Ahmed Johnson didn't already beat Triple H in the first round of this thing, but here we are again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, but as will become apparent, there is a reason for their tomfoolery. I don't know what happened. Yeah, so referee Tim White, uh, when explaining the rules to Triple H in their first match in the King of the Ring, he didn't. He, he said that the match could only be won by pinfall or submission. He neglected to say disqualification, so he got disqualified because China got involved, um, and so oh, therefore yeah. he could. They they don't want any legal action. Now, I know that's technically the yeah, the keyframe reason, but I'm wondering what really happened. Oh, they realized yeah. that they screwed up and had to redo it. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is like they're just they're like, oh, we're just trying to get more heat on Triple H because mm -hmm. you know he's a rich guy and he can buy his way out of situations or whatever. But nine times yeah. out of ten, they probably just fucked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. No, if you're gonna do it that way, then have him go full million dollar man mode on it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Not just say, oh, it was there was a loophole in the rules. Right, exactly. Yeah. It could have been definitely better played off if that's what they were going to do. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. They probably just fucked it up. They're like, oh wait a minute, we wanted that guy to win the king of the ring. <laughs> Uh, Jim, Jim Ross on commentary was like bringing up about how these two guys could be no, like no further from the same person. Like Triple H grew up with servants and a silver spoon in his mouth, but Ahmed Johnson grew up without a father and joined the Bloods gang when he was, you know, a teenager or whatever. So, I mean, I thought that was really cool to kind of simulate the differences of the two. Um, JR is always good with that. Um, and, and there's not really a whole lot that happened in this thing. <laughs> No, the best part of this was Ahmed Johnson um, press slamming Triple H, but uh, doing reps with him before he did. Uh, yeah. There was another part, too, where, like, Ahmed Johnson hit, like, a big shoulder block, and then he, like, um, he imitated that Triple H bow that he, that he used to do, and I thought that was really funny, too. So that was also a pretty good, interesting uh, part to the match. But yeah, so like not a whole lot. Eventually, Ahmed hits a scissors kick, and then he gets the spine buster. Looks like he might be going for his finish. China gets up on the apron, starts distracting him, and then Triple H hits him with the knee to the back of the head, and then a pedigree. One, two, three, and uh, Ahmed Johnson sort of gives chase to them, which he could have easily caught him if he wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that knocks this. That knocks the stuffing out of the crowd to start with. It wasn't exactly an overexcited crowd to, in the beginning. Basically, they're sitting there or standing there, going, "We paid our forty dollars or whatever to see trip to see uh, 
Steve Austin and HBK. And anything else that goes on, we don't give a shit about. Well, the, the six-man tag I, I, that we're going to talk about in a little bit, I thought the guys got a good reaction in that one. Um, yeah, well, that's a... I tell you, well, yeah, we, we will talk about that because there's a little crossover there for our other little project. There, there definitely we'll is. To that. It definitely is. Oh, so, so then um, the next one is the second semifinal, and it's uh, Jerry, the king of I don't know why the fuck I'm in this king of the ring tournament. Uh, to, <laughs> to go on mankind. Um, this again, I've said it a few weeks now. Is this screams of how actually shallow the roster, the men's roster was at this time that they had to throw Jerry the King Lawler in here? Yeah, they, they, they thought that was the best way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mankind comes out, he cuts a little promo before talking about how he wanted Uncle Paul to be here because he thinks it might be one of the best nights of his life, but Uncle Paul must have better things to do. And then he talks about, um, you know, some kings like to hold their subjects up and some like to like keep their subjects down. What kind of king do you want me to be? What kind of king do you want Mrs. Foley's baby boy to be, he says. Um, and then he says some more stuff, Glenn, and, and we need to hear it because it's I can't, I can't do it justice. So. No, no, go for it. can surround himself with royal robes. But as far as I'm concerned, the emperor has no clothes. That's not a pleasant thought. Jerry Lawler is not a king. He is a pawn in mankind's game. As the emperor with no clothes, there is only one sight more sickening that I can think of than Jerry Lawler walking around stark naked. And that would be me walking around stark naked. <laughs> bang bang! Oh, bang bang! Lawler, I told you what R-E-S-P-E-C-T would mean to me. So why don't you step on down and suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know, he's the only one that laughed at the thought of mankind running around naked was Vince. Yeah, Vince got a big chuckle out of that, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we then also hear from Jerry the King of Lawler after that, but he tells Chad Pettigrew, I'm not answering any of your questions. He just takes the mic, heads down to the ring. He starts running down the Rhode Island fans, telling, telling them to kiss his feet. He starts making jokes that he's still making today. He tells one guy, hey, this is your parole officer. No, you're out this late. Shit like yeah. that. Yeah, well, well, one woman gets the, as the strip club closed already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, the same jokes he would still be making today if he didn't get uh -huh. for them. Um, yeah. He then starts cross-checking Mankind, but he doesn't really say anything funny, so it's not worth noting. Um, finally, Mankind just gets out of the ring and starts starts beating Lawler up. And finally, because I'm glad somebody shut him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Slams head to an announce table. Um, 
Mankind goes for the claw. Lawler keeps bailing out of the ring. Lawler keeps like grabbing something out of his tights. But do you think he even had anything in there? Or is that is he just pretending no. to something? Just pretending to find some foreign objects. Yeah. <laughs> he literally just keeps sticking his hand in his tights, but he's he pretends like he's got something in his hand, but he ain't got shit. <laughs> no. No. I can't act anybody in this match with Mankind apart from Jerry Lawler and it would have been a decent match. Why not just have him face Savio Vega? Yeah. I don't... I just didn't know, yeah, it could have been the fucking... You know, you said anybody but Jerry Lawler. This is why. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the King got a little bit more offense in this thing than I thought he would. He throws Mankind's head, back of his head into the rail, not once, but twice. He does a pile driver on the floor. Um, he gets him in the ring, does another pile driver, but uh, Mankind is able to kick out. Eventually, uh, Waller looks like he's going to go for like a, a sunset flip, but Mankind locks in the uh, the mandible claw, and mm -hmm. Waller has no choice. But, well, I guess he just chokes you out because she don't even tap out to that, do you? No, no, because you can't, you can't say I quit and... And that's 10 minutes, 23 seconds that we, of our life that we won't get back. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to watch it. We watched another match, which is going to be another like nine minutes of our life. We're not going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> but we leave from uh, two underwhelming matches to, to we get what has up until this point going to be the best part of the show up until this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Pilma, Pilma's doing a promo. It looks like he's right outside the bathroom because that's where the Heart Foundation likes to hang out, as you know, Glenn, in the bathroom. Um, yeah. And as he's talking, <laughs> uh, he's talking about how he set up this whole match between Shawn Michaels and, and, and uh, you know, Hunter. I'm sorry. And Steve Austin. And then once Steve Austin pops up behind him, he starts beating him down, takes him into the bathroom, sticks his head in the toilet, and fucks yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the swirly of death. <laughs> and I'm sure teenage you were rolling on the floor wetting yourself at that point. Oh, yeah, no, we probably thought that that was absolutely hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Grown me was wetting myself watching it the other day. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the best part of the show up until this point. And it's not going to get any better because the next match is Crush versus Gold Dust. These two have no issue, nothing going on going into this match. We're just having it. Yeah. This is the... If we were watching this live, we'd be talking about anything but the match. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's no point. Basically, it happened. Sorry, folks. And if you put this match on a premium live event that you and I would watch now... We would call this a bathroom break match, a yep. smoke break match, uh, turn on the other, the football game and see what the score is match. This We'd skip it. We wouldn't even watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like one thing that New Age wrestling fans should be happy with is they don't just throw fucking matches on a pay-per-view for nothing. Rarely. Rarely do they throw. There's always an issue. So be happy that you have issues. See, yeah. Even on commentary, they actually gave up commentating on the match. Vince uh, basically said to JR, talk about what you want. So JR went off about Dustin's 
high school football career or whatever it was. Yeah, whatever, whatever he played in high school, because that's impressive. Mm. When I was a kid watching wrestling, I never heard him say, oh, this guy played a high school at, you know, Marietta, Georgia High. I don't fucking care. I'm 12. Why do yeah. I care? <laughs> Tell me no. he wrestles bulls. That'd be cool. I'd care about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're not making notes of where you want to go to college. <laughs> right. I don't care. I'm not going to West Texas State. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, not a lot to this. Crush puts a camel, Crush puts a camel clutch on for a while. He does like a really nice gorilla press into a gut buster. Um, Goldness does an atomic drop. The nation starts like surrounding uh, Marlena because they did have a few more nation members tonight, didn't they? I did, yes. Yeah. And then so Goldust gets out, fights them off, crushes him from behind. They get back in the ring, but Goldust counters like a back body drop and he hits a DDT for the one, two, three, which I wasn't realizing he was using a DDT for the signature at this time. No. No, it's the first time we've seen it. I probably yeah. lost. <laughs> exactly. So, like, a thrown-together finish for a thrown-together match. I guess it all yeah. works out. <laughs> then, Glenn, you want to talk about excitement, Glenn? We're going to get a promo from three guys that love to scream and they love to shout. Yeah. And we love to listen to them do, to them do it. And this is the crossover that Glenn's talking about right here. You might hear this on a future episode of I Don't Know Shit, The Life of Time. It's like, let's it. Well, let's listen to it now. Revenge is a dish best served cold, and by diddly do squat, we're serving the coldest dish in town. You know, you're talking about a tighter unit. Every fan of the World Wrestling Federation knows there's not a tighter tag team than the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. The one you gotta worry about is you. Are you gonna be there for a tag? Listen, you don't worry about me because when it comes to me, brother, I am the man and the ruler of the world. And I don't have to worry about the Heart Foundation. Because tonight, I think we all can agree on one thing. Tonight is going to be the worst night for the Heart Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> totally balmy. <laughs> Absolute bonkers, a lot of them. Those guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. They do a, an interview with Bulldog Owen and Night Art too, but it's not as entertaining. Um, yeah. Owen and Bulldog basically like, you know, you guys can't even get along, you know, get along with each other. How are you going to beat us? Um, and then Nightheart says, if Sid thinks he's crazy, he ain't seen nothing yet. And he might be right. He might be crazy, as he said. Yeah. <laughs> Could very well be. So, yeah. So the British Bulldog Owen Hart and Jim Nightheart are going to take on LOD and Sid. In a six-man tag team match, Glenn, what did you call this earlier? Uh, oh, I can't remember now. I have to, oh, it was something about like the the drop each other on her head, but don't sell anything or something. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, drop each other hard on the head without selling anything, match. Yeah, we'll see how many times we can do that without selling anything. Uh, so big reactions from Sid and for Sid and LOD from the crowd, especially for Sid. He got a giant it, it reaction. It was well over. What a shame this is his last pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, man, for a guy who's not going to be around for very long, they should be fucking like him, don't they? Mm. 
So yeah, Sid looked very happy with his reaction from the crowd. I think that he knew that he wasn't going to be back for a while, you know, 20 years. And so he was like, well, these people love me and you're getting rid of me, you dumbasses. Uh, I don't, I probably wouldn't have been if he hadn't had the car accident. Yeah, probably. We'll get into that. I don't know shit as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. If you're looking for more facts about Psycho Sid, check out that show. If you don't check out that show, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You should listen to it <laughs> or watch it on YouTube. You should definitely watch it on YouTube. Um, so Animal and Owen Hart start off a match. Animal, like, you know, he picked Owen up and just chucked him across the ring. Picked him up, chucked him. Oh, he bumped so well for him as well. Yeah, Owen was a bumping machine in the opening minutes of this match. He was flying all over the place with these guys. Oh, pardon me. He would he would absolutely, absolutely be tearing it up in AEW now if he was still alive. Yeah, he, he probably definitely. Yeah, I mean, definitely he would, absolutely. Um, the, the funny thing was Sid comes in and Owen, uh, you know, pretends like he wants to go for a test of strength. And once Sid puts his hands up, he tags in Davey and says, well, if you want to do a test of strength, you're going to have to do it. And in true Davy fashion, he gets he gets him up in it, but then he just starts punching him, and he just starts punching him, he kicking him, and punching him in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then help you get Legion of Doom in as well, and they're all beating on Davy. Yeah, he like did it like he did a standing suplex to to Sid, and Sid just pop right back up. Yeah, yes, that was one of them. <laughs> And then yeah, they just then everybody got in the ring and they started like all brawling in the ring. Um Hawk hit like a nice standing drop kick, which is Hawk has a really good drop kick for a man his size, especially like just a standing one. It's pretty fucking impressive. I think I talk about it every time I watch a match of his, but that's because it's impressive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once that's all calmed down again, we finally get Anvil in and Hulk. And it's a competition to see who sells first. <laughs> yeah. Uh Ambrose suckers Hulk into the corner and he just and he just has to get pole driven. So he <laughs> could just pop straight back up again, much yep. to the amazement of the Amble. God knows why. You know if you drop a road warrior on their head, they pop up, they're like a weevil. You knock them down and they just come straight back up again. Yeah, you, you you can't do that, Jim. That hard. You should know better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that this was a really good like heels versus babyface match. I mean, the heels were doing a good job of cutting off the ring and doing quick in and out tags. Um, and the crowd the crowd didn't get hot for a lot of this show, um, but they were pretty they were pretty hot for this match. My um, rinse, yeah, yeah, de- definitely a good six man tag. Your Hawk eventually gets a hot tag. The city comes in. He starts cleaning the house. He hits a choke slam on Bulldog. He's going for a bull, uh, power bomb on Bulldog, but old dummy Sid doesn't realize that he's not the legal man. He needs Owen Hart. So Owen Hart comes off the top, catches him with the sunset flip from the one, two, three, and the Hart Foundation gets the win here. Uh, like I said, fun match, and I I thought the finish was really really good. That was a good finish. Yeah, it was that that ending to that match, the sunset flip, but Sid sort of delayed going over. It was a case of I'm not going. Oh yeah, I yeah I, I, I have to. <laughs> I'll go over then. You know what happened, Glenn? Because <laughs> he don't know shit, Glenn. That's why. Oh, that's true. 
we then got our second interview with Mankind of the Night. Uh, he said he doesn't feel good, but does he look good? What do you think, Lon? Do you think he looked good? Oh, he looks amazing. Looks amazing, absolutely. And then he quoted a, uh, a quoted a line from a very famous movie, Glenn. Glenn, do you know what movie line? Do you know the movie that he's that he's quoting here? I can't even remember what he said. To he be said, "I just can't wait to be king." No, I don't know what movie that's. The Lion right. King. Like, you, ever seen, you ever seen The Lion King? No, I've not seen The Lion King. You've never seen The Lion King? No. And my lot of grown, were grown up before it came out. So yeah, that's a good point. That, that is a You know, I made my kids watch it just because of it. But I also watched it when I was a kid, so that's why my kids watched it. So that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was a nice clutch because he was like, "I'm going to quote a very famous movie. I just can't wait to be king." And I, I thought that was, a, I thought it was a nice clutch. It made me laugh. And then we get into what probably is the second batch, best match of the night. It's the King of the Ring Tournament Final. Mankind take mm. on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So they used to do these commercials back in the day, and they would go, beef, it's what's for dinner. And they would use the same music that Triple H used back then. So like, every time I hear that, I'm like, man, I want a beef sandwich. I don't know why, but I want a beef sandwich. <laughs> Yes, that's the Ode to Joy. Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah. I thought it was always called the Beef It's What's For Dinner song. <laughs> well, that's what happens when these things get, these classical bits of music get used in adverts. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the match started off a bit slow. So I I like this match. Um, it was a bit slow at times. What do you think? Yeah. But you expect it. Hunter S. Helmsley, a.k.a. Triple H, has never been the speediest of wrestlers, shall we say. Yeah. Um, Mick Foley is a bump machine, so uh, he'll go at the pace of his opponent. He won't push a, he won't push a match. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that a match starting slow or building slow is a bad thing. Like, I, like oh. a lot of people nowadays want to see everything 100 miles an hour like from the get-go. And I get like some matches do to start like that. Like if it's a blood feud, I get you're going to get in there and start like with a little whale on the person right away. But like, especially when you're Triple H and you're facing a guy with a psyche of mankind, you're going to want to get in there and kind of test the waters, right? You're not going to get in there and fucking go right after him because he's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I always love watching Triple H wrestle because I love the psychology of his in-ring work. And the older I get, the more I get to appreciate that, um, I think. Mm-hmm. The only trouble with this is the crowd, because they were so much, they were so much in to Heart Foundation against Legion of Doom and Seed. The then you chuck in basically two guys. One that you're trying to desperately tell everybody that he's now a face, although he's been a heel all the time. Yeah, and the other one who you're desperately trying to tell is a heel. Right. And everybody's sort of sitting there scratching their heads, going, Well, who do we cheer for? Yeah. Especially it's almost kind of like this isn't a let come down match, but almost was a come down match after the yeah. six man tag. That's right. The six man tag really should have opened the show. They should have had that on first. Yeah, they should have. Um, and Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like squash like had 
Yeah. Had the well, no, one of the King of the Ring matches first had the six man second, and then the other King of the Ring match. That, yeah. I just, it might have flowed better. Yeah. Um, the crowd would have been better for this match, definitely. Um, China, of course, gets involved in this multiple times. She's hitting mankind outside the ring. There was a one point where mankind had like a, uh, I think he had the amenable claw in, but they were near the ropes. And so China just grabbed him and just yanked him out of the ring because the referee was out of position. <laughs> When I was doing a little bit of research on this earlier, me notes, um, there was a bit where JR goes into his usual, how do you learn to fall on concrete? Oh, yeah. And, uh, apparently, Mick actually answers that question in his book with practice. <laughs> yeah, just keep doing it. Eventually, it won't hurt so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, uh, Triple H rips off Mankind's mask only to reveal it's Cactus Jack. I just, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he did rip the mask off. Uh, and then I, this is the best mandible claw reversal I've ever seen. Mankind locks in the mandible claw. Hunter pokes him in the fucking eye. Bam, yeah. That's yeah, that's, yeah. Wait, that's how you oh. do it. Yeah, it, it works with apparently it works with sharks, so it works with mankind's as well. There you go, pal. <laughs> <laughs> mankind tries to jump off the apron onto, onto Triple H, but China like pulls Triple H out of the way, and, and mankind slams into the guardrail. Um, Hunter hits a pedigree on mankind through the announce table. That's the first time I think that's happened in wrestling history, so you can note that as the first time. I think once once this happened, then the, the crowd kind of turned and they started to get into it more. Once they started a, a brawl outside the ring, the crowd kind of turned it on. Um, eventually, China picks up the scepter that they have for whoever wins King of the Ring. She cracks it over the back. He really cracked that way. Doing that was harder than the Macho Man hitting fucking the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Mankind gets back into the ring. Oh, I'm sorry. And then Hunter then hits a high knee on Mankind while he's on the apron and sends him crashing into like a cameraman who was trying to recuperate. Oh, yeah. Poor photographer just got squashed. <laughs> and he was already disheveled. I think he got knocked off the. I think he gets knocked off the apron later in the Undertaker match too. I think. <laughs> Bad night for that guy. Yeah. So Triple H like drags he drags Mankind back into the ring, but Mankind still kicks out of two. But then Triple H picks him back up and hits another pedigree. And does get the win. Um, really good match. I really, really enjoyed the match. I love the way it built. It was really, really good. Uh, loved it. Todd gets in the ring. He's trying to give Triple H the crown. Um, uh, the, and, you know, China shoved Todd Pettengill as soon as he got in the ring. She just shoved him. Down. I don't know why, but she just felt like she had to. His name's Todd. So what, a, what choice do you yeah, He's a whipping boy, isn't he? Yeah. Sorry, really. Uh, Triple H puts the cape on, but he takes the crown and starts smashing it over the head of mankind. I believe the story is Triple H did not want to wear that fucking crown for anything. No, so just it, was strange, it. it was a strange crown. Yeah, it was. It was like an an overindulgent chef's hat. It was that big. Yeah, it was very silly. The crowns are very silly, and I understand why he wouldn't want to wear it. <laughs> Like crawling on his hands and knees to get to the back. China looks like she wants to go back down there and pick his bones, but Triple H calls off the do calls off his dogs. Uh, man, guy's getting a good reaction from the crowd here, so they're really pushing for this uh, new man, baby face man, yeah. um, as he's leaving the arena here. Um, 
And then they kind of talk about the upcoming match between Shawn Michaels and uh, Steve Austin. The Hart Foundation comes down to the ring because, of course, Bret Hart has to speak. <laughs> he can't not. He didn't call anybody a hyena, Glenn. He didn't say anybody was a hyena. So uh, Thank God they didn't let him this time because they didn't have the equipment. That was the best thing that Triple H did. Was wipe that table out so Bret Hart couldn't sit down and end up on commentary. He did say in the ring, though, that he's challenging any five wrestlers to take on the Hart Foundation in a match in your house, Canadian Stampede. He says, payback time is coming for all us American wrestling fans. He tried, like going to say, he tries to join them, but they tell Brett to take a fucking hike. And eventually, Gerald Bristol says, hey, look here, if, you wanted to, if I wanted to hook you, you'd be hooked. Get some out of there. That was an awful promo. It wasn't great. Such a good wrestler. That is such an awful promo. Yeah, and we specialize in bad promos, but that was awful. It was boring. It wasn't good. He fumbled his words. Yeah. And it wasn't as though he was... Sometimes, when a wrestler does a promo, if they're getting agitated and worked up, they can get away with fumbling their words because you do. Right. You're getting really angry about something. You... Your mouth overtakes your brain. Right. But he was being deliberate about it and stopping and thinking, and now what have I got to say? And um, hang on a minute. Um, it was just dreadful. It almost felt like he wasn't, like, he should expect booze, but it's almost like he doesn't expect them yet. And he can't yeah. know what to do when they're booing. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to the match because that's a, a cracker of this. Yeah, definitely. So this is definitely the best match on the show. Um, uh, this is like the biggest babyface versus babyface match since Hogan Warrior WrestleMania yeah. six at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think the crowd was so much a split. They were cheering for both guys. I didn't hear any boos for one guy or the other. Everybody was just going crazy. Like, right, yeah, going absolutely nuts. I didn't care. This is the, the villain of the piece is Bret Hart. Yeah. It's neither of these two. And then a really nice moment at the beginning of the match. And I know back in these days, you know, Shawn Michaels got a really bad rap for being an asshole and being a jerk. But here, oh. like a, a special Olympian, kind of, I think he got a bit excited, maybe fell over the rail or something like yeah. that. And they were trying to get him under control. And Shawn Michaels very nicely went over, took care of the kid, make sure he was going to get taken to the back. And I just, I, you know, we always say about what a dickhead Shawn Michaels is. So let's point out some good things about him, too. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, Shawn Michaels was, not Shawn Michaels is. He's not that person anymore. But. No. No, he's just a nice person now. He's not the, yeah. not yeah. the dickheadery bit anymore. He produces the wrestling we like to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so if things finally get started. Yeah. Glenn, tell me what you thought about this because this was really, really good. Excellent. This is what I came for. If yeah. paid no, you know, if I had to have paid for it, this was worth paying for. With all the other rubbish that was on here, this was worth paying for. Yeah, hundred percent. It might it, it was probably worth the money if you had to have paid for it. If you weren't a teenager living off someone else's money at that point, because uh, <laughs> yeah, a really good match, really good back and forth. Um, I, I mean, I had a lot of great shit in here. It did some good mat wrestling. I loved when Shawn, when and Austin had Shawn Michaels in like a chin lock on the ground, and yeah. he was like inching 
ever so slightly toward the ropes so he could get his feet hooked around the bottom ropes. And just the way he was ever so inching back, I just thought that that was a really nice touch because he was doing it so slowly. It was so good. Yeah. There was, there's some, there was, considering it's these two, there was some really good mat wrestling going on here. When you think of Shawn Michaels, you think of mat wrestling a little bit, but you, not Steve Austin. <laughs> no. 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 There was headlocks. There was all sorts of things, but there were things happening with them. They, they, none of them were a rest hold. Right. They were actually trying, you know, it made it look like they were actually trying to damage each other. It's something that we used to talk about when we did uh, the, the UK Heritage Cup match reviews yeah. about how when you're in a rest hold, as long as you're moving, when you're in a rest hold, it's not a rest hold, but if you're moving, then it's, then it's I mean, it's good. Mm. And that's what they did here. Um, yeah, a lot of good pending predicaments, reversals. Austin ends up throwing Shawn Michaels over the top rope. Austin knocks HBK off the apron to the guardrail. He then exposes the concrete floor. He picks Shawn Michaels up, drops him. You know, he dropped him like body first down to the ground, not on his back, but like on his chest. <laughs> yeah, so eventually we get a oh, ref bump. It was rough bit there where Shawn got totally suckered in. Now, if Steve Austin is offering you a test of strength, you don't do it because <laughs> what you're going to do is get kicked in the midriff. Yeah, you should have thought of That's that. Exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, Austin, Austin's outside of the ring. Shawn Michaels hits a, hits a baseball slide. Eventually, we get a ref bump um, in the corner when HBK, and then HBK goes for a super kick. Austin then counters and hits a stunner. We'll see that again in our WrestleMania 14, won't we? Yeah. Um, but the referee's down because uh, because the referee's down because of the ref bump. Austin tries to get him up, but when he can't get him all the way up, he just says "fuck it," gives him a stunner. <laughs> <laughs> he turns around. Shawn Michaels hits him with the super kick, but there's still no referee. Another ref hits the ring, but instead of you know counting the three count like they normally do, he goes and checks on the other referee. It's never. Yeah. <laughs> so Shawn Michaels says, "What the fuck, Mike Kyoto?" Super kicks him. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Baby Earl Hefner comes down here and says, both of you guys are disqualified. And they throw this thing out. It had to end in a double DQ. It was the only yeah. way this thing to end. Yeah, the trouble, it, the thing is, yes, it had to end in a DQ, but if they'd been a finish, you know, this would have been probably at least a fourth, if not five-star match. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But, yeah. Uh, Austin goes and gets the tag team belts. He looks like he's going to hit Shawn Michaels with them, but Shawn catches him. And then they kind of walk, walk. They leave ringside together, but they're both just kind of eyeing each other to make sure the other one's not going to do something to the other. So, yeah, yeah. They still don't trust each other, but so. yeah. they are still the tag champions. They are still the tag team champions. Yes, they are. So, yeah, a very, very good match. Um, we then go into the main event. There was a promo with the Nation of Domination beforehand. Um, Fluke says he's going to make history and win the WF championship tonight. Uh, so this match was dull. You know, no, I'm probably the biggest Undertaker mark in the world. Yeah. But even I hated this match. It was dull. It was slow. It was boring. It was nothing that The Undertaker had done. Since we started watching this at the beginning of January, 
That's in 1997, January. Yeah. Uh, no, the amount of times in matches I've said how much he looked like Prime Undertaker. This wasn't it. Yeah, no. And it's not that, I mean, Ron Simmons and The Undertaker are going to 100% have great matches together, but this just wasn't the one. No. <laughs> I'm wondering if he was injured. Could very well be. Uh, the nation laid into him early on. Yeah. To give him an excuse for it not to be a good match, I think. Yeah, that could be. The, the one cool spot was when he went up for uh, old school and the nation of domination was kind of all around the area there. Instead of jumping under Farouk, he jumped out onto all the nation. Yeah. He yeah. just started like punching all of them. So that part was cool. Um, the nation was like imploding on each other in this match. Crush and I mean, I think Crush pushed down Clarence Mason and then Savio pushed Crush and then they started fighting. And then, uh, you know, of course, Farouk turns right around into a tombstone pile driver. And the Undertaker is the winner. Yeah. There's one bit there where we got a lovely bit of uh, premature excitement from Vince. Yeah, Farouk gets a pole driver on the Undertaker and only gets a two. Yeah. But Vince has already declared him the winner. And he's what? Oh, no, he hasn't. So uh, <laughs> there you go, Vince. One, two. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, then I wrote, thank God this match is over because it wasn't very good. Undertaker starts cleaning house all the nation members, and then, you know, Paul Bear starts ordering the Undertaker to beat up, like, chokeslam Farouk again. Undertaker keeps trying to walk away, but he wants him to do it. He does it once. He does it twice. Um, I think he did it three times. And then Ahmed, the voice of reason, Ahmed Johnson, who's wanted this man Farouk dead for months, is going to come out here and save him and tell him to stop listening to Paul Bear or whatever. And then uh, Taker tries to punch Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed ducks it and hits a Pearl River plunge on the Undertaker. And then that's the this shows the Undertaker and Paul Bear basically leaving the the air the ringside area as the show goes off the air. So hmm. yeah, so basically it was a crap match, crap finish, and uh, did nobody any good. Certainly didn't do the Undertaker any good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. God, things are going to be picking up. I hope so. <laughs> That's probably the worst pay-per-view we watched. Yeah. Yeah. I get one yeah. thumb up, and the only reason why I get the one thumb up is the show. Michaels. 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 Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. Mm -hmm. Well, Glenn, that's it for King of the Ring 1997. Any final thoughts? Um, I'm glad it's over with. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what's going to happen next because I have happy memories of what's coming next over the next few weeks and months. I know this Canadian stampede in your house is really, really good. And I know the SummerSlam yeah. after that is really, really good. So I'm hoping that the Raw is leading up to those things are great. So be on the lookout for those because those are coming your way as always. Glenn, who do we need to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I'm booking the territory with Rob and Danny. Um, we're organizing a little uh, combined effort, shall we say. Yeah. We're going to watch some entertaining British wrestling from 19, the 1970s world of sport. Yep. And, um, yeah, DDT Wrestling, DC and Doc, 
uh, Andy the Bang Bang Podcast. They're com- he's coming back doing some Christmas specials. Apparently, his uh, original co-host Steve is coming back as well. So nice. the old original lineup for Bang Bang. Um, and just keep your ears open and eyes open for the Doctor Who podcast or whenever they start releasing Series 5 of that. There you go. Make sure you check out Sportswire Radio and give our buddy Thomas Bryce a follow on all the social media platforms. Um, make sure you check out I Don't on the Life and Times of Psycho Sid. I don't know shit in the Life and Times of Psycho Sid. We're on episode six, I believe, this week. Um, yep. He's going to be joining the four horsemen, Glenn. So that would be something to look forward to. Make sure you check out, as always, on alternating weeks, AWI Pod Worldwide, the Mayor of Superstars. Uh, not this week, but next week we'll be starting our. Halloween Havoc 1991 show, and the opening match on that show is the Chamber of Horrors match, Glenn. So that's coming in two weeks, and I can't fucking wait. Excellently bad. Yes, (laughs) exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, that's what work in progress is all about. That's what, yeah, that's exactly what we're about here. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all from us. Only thing left to do is for Glenn to say goodbye. Goodbye. 